Welcome to the Soda Baptist Church podcast. This message is part of the teaching ministry of Soda Baptist Church in Livingston, Texas. We hope that you are encouraged and challenged to grow closer in your walk with Christ through this message. We invite you to check out our website at www.sodabaptist.org for more information about our church. Look at 1 John 4, 1 Corinthians 13, Romans chapter 5, and John chapter 3. And those are going to be the scriptures that we're going to kind of use for foundation this morning as we look at the subject that God loves you. God loves you. And you know what? Sometimes that's that's such a simple statement that is used. This is something like, oh my goodness, I have heard this a jillion times. Hear all the time that God loves us. and Well, listen, I started a series last Sunday morning, a series on the Bible as a whole. And last week, as I began last week, I said, listen, we need to take this right here, and I want you to know God says a lot of very specific messages in His Word. But then God as a whole... From the very beginning in Genesis all the way to Revelation, He gives us a message that we can hear. One of those messages, and I used it last week, was God making Himself known. I want you to know there will not ever be a man or woman who stands before God that will have an excuse not to know that God is in this world and that He come to save you and that he come to have a relationship with you it says it from the very beginning all the way to the end he makes himself known and in that same token this morning i want to do this i want us to understand from the very beginning of genesis all the way to the end of the book of revelation god says i love you god loves you And what I want to do this morning, I want to lay the foundation where God just simply says, I love you. And then I want to go back and I want us to look through scriptures and show you how God demonstrates that love. How He shows you that He loves you. How He has has taken action that we can go, oh yeah, there's, there's no doubt about it. How many times have you heard someone say, I love you, and you go, yeah, right. You know? I mean, that, that's easily said, but sometimes we never see any demonstration of that love. Well, what we're going to see this morning is God shows us and shows us and shows us and shows us. And this is basically God's love letter to all of mankind right here. God's love letter. And He writes it to us from the very beginning. He created us because He loved us. He saved us because He loved us. He allowed Adam and Eve to come out of the garden. Uh, And I mentioned this in our Sunday school class this morning. One of the things that God said in the garden, He says, if you eat of this tree of the the knowledge of the good and evil, you shall what? Surely die. Not just die, you will surely die. Well, what we think is a physical death, and, and they did die physically, but they also died spiritually. But it was because of God's love and mercy and grace that He showed to them that the the, uh, mankind even continued that day. We saw this as we spoke last week. When Noah's day come, it says, 
Every man's heart was only evil. And I want you to know it was the love and the mercy of God that we, mankind even continued at that point. So we're going to look at these scriptures this morning that talks about the love that God has for us. I'm going to begin in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 7. And it says this, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God. Now listen to this statement. For God is love. Okay, we're going to come back to that in just a minute. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse number 4. This is known as the love chapter. Now, if you will notice, if you will notice the word charity there, I'm going to use the word love there instead of the word charity. And let me tell you the reason why I'm going to do that. You go back into verse 8 of the scripture that we just read where it says, God is love. If you look in the Greek, the Greek uh, 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 concordance, you're going to see that that word love is the number 26 Greek word. In, if you look in your concordance, you're going to see the, in the, uh, where it describes that word. The Greek word was the number 26. All right? If you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where the word is translated charity, it's the same word. It's exactly the same word. It's number 26. In that scripture, they chose, because of the translation, they just chose to use charity instead of the word love. It is exactly the same word that they were using in both, both places. As a matter of fact, when we get down to Romans 5 and 8, and it says where it commended His love again, same word. In John three sixteen, where it says loved, it's the same word. So when we look this up, the reason that I'm going to use the word love right here is because it's just a translational choice that they chose to use the word charity. There's no difference in the word. Where it tells us that God is love. It describes what love is in 1 Corinthians 13. Love suffereth long and is kind. Love envieth not. Love vaulteth not itself. It is not puffed up. It doth not behave itself unseemly. It seeketh not her own. Is not easily provoked. It thinks no evil. It rejoiceth not in iniquity, but it rejoiceth in truth. It beareth all things. It believeth all things. It hopeth all things. It endureth all things. Love never faileth. Now look in Romans 5 and 8. It says, But God commended His love towards us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It does not say that while we were yet good, while we were yet perfect in our walk, he says, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Say this one with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever shall believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So we we in these first four scriptures right here, these references that we looked at, we have seen that God loves us. There's no doubt about it. God loves us. Amen. What we need to understand, though, is how do, we, how do we comprehend this love that God has for us? 
I think if anyone was to ask, does God love you when we walked out the back, we would say, oh, yeah, he loves us. But how do you comprehend? If someone was to ask you, how do you know God loves you? That's the question I want you to be able to answer when you walk out of here. Because if someone asks you, well, how do you know God loves you? Well, this is what God has done to show me that he loves me. That's what I want us to be able to comprehend this morning. So all the way from the front of the scriptures, all the way to the end, we see that God has demonstrated his love for us. Now, let me just kind of give some examples here. God, and, and, and when you, I, I hope that you're familiar, I, I know that some of you will be, when, when God demonstrated his love to the Israelites, we know that the Israelites were captive in Egypt. God sends Moses. He delivers them out of their captivity. He has, said, he has told them, he said, listen, I am going to take you out of Egypt and I'm going to put you in a promised land. A land that is flowing with milk and honey. My goodness, as they came out, they walked through a Red Sea that was parted. God brought water from a rock. God brought manna down from heaven. He put it on the ground. He, he done all of these things for them. And when they get to the promised land, what do they do? They refuse to go in. You're not going. I set all this up for you. If you're not going to take it, I've given it to you. If you're not going to take it, I don't love you anymore. Is that what God has done? No. Now listen, here is a demonstration of God's love. This is a demonstration of God's love. Now, I hope that we understand this. A lot of times people accuse and they point their finger at God because God disciplines His children, but He disciplines His children out of Love. Now, I remember when I was... Well, no, I take that back. I do not remember this. This is a story that my mom has told me. When I was about two years old, I had wandered out of the house. We lived in Huntsville at the time. I wandered out of the house, and I went down the driveway, and I was standing on that little loop that goes around Huntsville. I was standing out there on the edge of the, the shoulder of the highway, and I was watching cars go by. Two years old. Now, I don't blame my mama. She had a, a brand new baby in the house, and then she had another three-year-old that she was trying to keep up with, and I had escaped. My mama said she broke one of them hedge switches as she was running down the driveway. She broke one of those switches off, and she got me, and by the time I got to the top of that hill, blood was running down the back of my legs. Now, was my mom doing that because she hated me, or was she doing that because she loved me? Because she loved me. Now, that sounded awful cruel that my mom would whip me, but my mom was trying to save my life. These Israelites go up there. And these Israelites go up there, and they refuse to go into the promised land. And then God turns them aside, and He makes them wander in the wilderness. And everyone over 20 years old that was able to fight died, and God rescued them because God loved them. And in His discipline, He says, listen, I'm giving you another chance, but 
If you keep following that bunch right there that refused to follow me, if you keep following that bunch right there, I want you to know you're going to be in some kind of trouble. And I hope you teenagers understand that when your mom says, no, you can't run with that crowd, it's not because your mom dislikes you. It's not because your mom and dad just want to discourage you. It's not because your mom and dad want to steal all of the fun out of life. They just don't want me to be happy. I want you to know your mom and dad is protecting you. And God does the same thing here. He says, listen, guys, I love you. I'm giving you another chance. So the second group goes in. After 40 years, God allows them to come They go over to the Jordan River and they come into the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And they begin to go in and they begin to wander through that land. And I want you to know every city they come up on, God just makes a way. Just makes a way. He just makes a way. And I mean they're claiming the land. What do the people do after they get into the promised land for just a little while? They begin to serve the gods of the land. And it's a sad thing that that's what the same thing we do. We get in our lives and, and we see all the mighty things that God has done for us. And then we turn our attention away from God and we begin to do in our own thing. And I want you to know it is not that God doesn't love us. God loves you. But He wants to do the best for you. That is His desire is to do the best for you. So they go in, and they, 40 years later, he gives them the promised land. They go in, and they start serving the gods of the other Canaanites. That brings us to the book of, the, of Judges. All right? The book of Judges. In the book of Judges, now listen, I, and I don't want to go into great detail about this. In the book of Judges, the, Can- or the Israelites are in the promised land. And this is what they do. They get in the promised land, and... And they quit serving God and they start worshiping the gods of the the Canaanites. And God says, okay, you don't want to love me back? Listen to me this, listen to me. God's not going to make you love Him. You hear me? God's not going to make you love Him. A love that is forced, you're going to love me or else. Let me tell you, that's not love. All right? God would have just made a bunch of robots if He wanted that. He wants you. To want to love him back. So he takes them in there and they get in the promised land. He says, you want to serve this other God? Here, let me back off and let that God provide for you. Well, guess what happens? Man, they get under bondage. They get persecuted. They get robbed from. And then they cry out and they say, God, help us. And because God loves them, he comes back and he rescues them. And that happens again. And he comes back and he rescues them. Do you know how many times that takes place in the book of Judges? Thirteen times. Thirteen times they go their way and then they cry out and say, God, please. They come back to God. And thirteen times he says, okay, I just want you to show, I want to show you, I love you. I will send someone in to rescue you. Let me, let me just real quickly, this is in uh, uh, Judges chapter 6. Listen to this event. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Midian, Seven years. And the hands of the Midians prevailed against Israel. And this is what they started doing. The Israelites would go out and they would plant fields. And then they would go and hide because the Midianites was coming. Hey, when it come to planting time, guess who came and planted? Or who, who came and reaped? 
and the Midianites. The Israelites would plant it, and the Midianites would come and harvest it. And, I mean, this kept happening over and over and over. And Israel was greatly, this is verse 6, greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. And the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord because of the Midianites, the Lord sent a prophet unto the children of Israel, which said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up out of Egypt, and I brought you forth out of the house of bondage, and I'll do it again. This happened 13 times. Do you know what God was saying 13 times? I love you. I love you. I love you. And he kept saying it, I love you. And he kept saying it, I love you. He says it over and over and over from the very beginning of the Scriptures all the way to the end. And listen, I'm going to hate it when we get to the end. Because he's going to hold us accountable for his love. We're going to see that in just a minute. So we see that over in Judges chapter 6. Take your Bibles with me and now turn to Hosea. This is right after the book of Daniel. It goes Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea. Page 1301. That's what page it is in my Bible. And I want to try to refrain from reading a whole lot. But my goodness, this is a picture of love like you've never seen before. Hosea chapter 1 and verse 1 says this, And the word of the Lord came unto Hosea, the son of Barai, in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, the kings of of Judah, and of the days of Jeroboam, the son of uh, Joash, king of Israel. Now here's the, listen to this one, verse 2. The beginning of the word of the Lord of Hosea, by Hosea, and the Lord said to Hosea, Go take unto thee a wife of whoredom, and the children of whoredoms, for the land hath committed great whoredoms, departing from the Lord. This is what he says. He says, Listen, I want you to go and marry a prostitute. What? That's that's what he says. He said, Hosea, I want you to go marry a lady that you already know in advance is going to be unfaithful. And I want you to go and I want you to have children by her. She has three children by this lady that was a prostitute. Now this is what God says. Look in verse number 10. I I want you to know this. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's say verse 10. Look over in chapter number 3. And then we'll go back to verse number 10 of chapter 1. Now let me tell tell you what happens here. And then we'll read this. Hosea was was required to marry this lady uh, that was a prostitute. They had children together. And she done exactly what Hosea knew that she would do. Let me get... Do you think she was faithful to Hosea? Not at all. She wasn't faithful to Hosea. As a matter of fact, she leaves the home of Hosea and she goes out and she begins to continue to live the life of a prostitute like she did. Let me tell you what happened. As a result of that, she becomes enslaved to another man. 
she becomes enslaved to another man. So what we're fixing to read right here, now keep this in mind. The reason that God tells Hosea to do this, He says, I want to teach the nation of Israel a lesson. He says, listen Hosea, what the people of Israel is doing to me is exactly what your wife is doing to you. I have, ta- I have taken you in. I have loved you. I have supported you. I have provided for you. And even though I've done all these things for you, then you have turned and you have went back to the world. Israel, you are serving other gods. You've turned your back on me. You left my home. You've left my love. That's what he's saying. And he says, listen, Hosea, I'm going to demonstrate through you what I want to do for the nation of Israel. So listen, this is Hosea chapter 3. Look, look what he says there. Verse number 1. Then said the Lord unto me, Go yet, love a woman beloved of her friend. In other words, you go find your wife and this woman is beloved to someone else. Yet an adulteress according to the love of the Lord toward the children of Israel who look to other gods and love flagons of wine. In other words, they love the way that they are doing that. Verse number 2 says, So I bought her to me for 15 pieces of silver. Now, I'm not complaining, okay? That was very difficult for me to understand. I'm going to read this out of a different version and these, these first two verses again. This is what it says. The Lord said unto me, Go show your love to your wife again. Okay? Though she is loved by another and is an adulteress. Listen to these words right here. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites. God is saying, Hosea, I want you to demonstrate your love to this adulterous uh, prostitute woman that you married. I commanded you to do it. I want you to go back and I want you to show your love to her again the same way I love the Israelites. I want you to know God demonstrates His love over and over and over and over and over again in our lives. Listen to what else he said. Though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes, in other words, though they go serve the bells and they love the practices that they do, then he says in verse 2, so I bought her. Did you what's that word again? Bought. I bought her. Why did he have to buy her? Because again, like I was saying a few minutes ago, she has gotten to the point that she has enslaved herself To another man. She's property of another man. So Hosea goes back and listen. He has to purchase his wife back. He has to purchase something that he already owned. He has to buy it back. You know what that word is? That word is redeemed. 
I want you to know when God demonstrated his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I want you to know he already owned us. But because of our desires, because we are all sinners, I want you to know we had been, we were enslaved to Satan himself because we are all sinners. And I want you to know Jesus Christ went and he died on a cross. He paid a debt that he did not owe. I owe a debt that I could not pay. And Jesus Christ paid and redeemed. And he has bought me back. Perfect picture of the cross right there. Because he loved us. This is what he's saying. He says, listen, Hosea, I want you to set an example for the people that are in Israel right now. And I want you to use this example. I want you to write it down so the people at Soda Baptist Church in 2016 can hear this message again that says, I love you. I love you. He says it over and over and over all through the scriptures. He says it over and over and over that I love you. It says that he he bought her with 15 shekels of silver. Then it says about a homer and a leaflet of barley. Then I told her, you are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any other man, and I will live with you. I've done a study on, on the 15 pieces of silver and a homer and a lethic of barley, which is about, they say, is worth about 15 shekels of silver. <laughs> so that's a total of how many pieces? 30 pieces of silver. Does that ring a bell? When you go back to the New Testament and you see that Jesus was betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. My goodness, how the scripture tells us over and over and over and over and over again the same message. I love you. I love you. I love you. Turn turn with me to Psalm 78 for a minute. Psalm 78. This is your homework assignment. To go home and read Psalm 78. I cannot take the time and read it all this morning. First five and six, five verses, it talks about, he says, listen, he says, I want you to tell your people, I want you to tell the people about all the things that I have done for the nation of Israel. So look, start with verse number six. And he says this, so that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who shall arise and declare unto their children that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but to keep His commandments and might not be as their fathers a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. And, And listen, and this is why I want you to go home and read it. He says, listen, this is what I want you to tell the generations to come. This is what I want you to share with your children so that your children can tell their children and their children can tell their children. And he, he rehearses all over again what God has done for the nation of Israel. He says, listen, this is how much I loved them. He says, I divided the Red Sea for them. He said, I set a fire at night 
fire at night for them to follow and a cloud by day. I brought water from a rock. I put bread from heaven when he, he shed manna on the ground. He said, when the people wanted some meat to eat, I put quail all around them. He said, listen, you co tell the people, I love you. That's what he was telling them. He said, you go tell them and remind them. I love them. I love them. I love them. Skip down to verse number 37. And he says, even though I loved them and I showed my love for them, for their heart was not right with him. Neither were they steadfast in their covenant. Even though I'd done all of these things, they still turned away from me. But he, this is talking about God, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity and destroyed them not. Yea, many a time turned he in his anger away and did not stir up all of his wrath. I like this part. For he remembered that we were but flesh. A wind that passeth away and cometh not again. How oft did they provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert? He kept reminding them. He said, listen, I have shown you over and over and over and over how much I love you. How much I love you. We go to the New Testament and we we see that God sent his son. He loved us so much that he sent his son to pay for us again. Okay, he paid for us again so that we might have eternal life. Now, I want us to look at one more scripture this morning that's going to kind of bring all this to the head. I want you to know something. God's love for us, although it is unconditional, listen, He loves you no matter what you do. There is nothing that you have done that can cause Him not to love you. The word that it is using in the word love, and you've heard this probably before, that word is translated agape love, which a lot of us have heard the word that it is unconditional love. Listen, it's not so much that it's unconditional, but it is God's will to love you. In other words, because God is love, He can't help Himself. He loves you. Listen, He loves you whether you're a murderer. He loves you no matter what you've done. It, he loves you no matter what you've said. It, he loves you whether you've pointed your hands to, God, to heaven and said, God, I hate your guts. I love you. Nothing you can do because God's, God has willed Himself to love you. He loves you. End of subject. But when you've given a choice to love God back and you choose not to... When God has demonstrated His love to you over and over and over and over and over and you completely and totally reject the love that God has for you, you will give an account for that. Look with me in Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 11 and we'll be done. This is what I want us to understand. You can't miss it. Okay? Out of the 66 books in the Bible, and of all the scriptures that's in God's Word, 
It's not like you, well, I read it, but I must have been sleepy that night. I didn't know that God loved me. Listen, you can't miss it. It's saturated all in every page of this book right here that God loves you. You cannot miss it. So understand, we're going to be held accountable for it. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 11 says this, And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead and which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged every man according to their works. You want to know what I think the books were? Now you go in the book of Psalms and it says that there's books written about us and and the account that God has given in, in our lives, He keeps record of it. I mean, you've heard those, he's, he's got a record of it, He does. But you want to know another one of the books that He's going to be judging us out of is this one right here. <laughs> well, Mark, I looked, you had 15 of these things in your house. Every one of them was covered in dust. I told you in there over and over and over that I loved you. Told you over and over and over that I sent my son for you. I give you illustration after illustration. He says, one of the things he's going to hold you accountable for is what's written right in here. Going to be judged out of this book right here. How he told us that he loved us and that Jesus died for us. Then he tells us right here, when you, when you read this, what I'm just reading right now. The day is going to come that every single person that has ever lived on this earth... It doesn't matter what year they lived and they have died. I want you to know God is going to bring them back from the seas that have been eaten by the fish, the ones that have spent that are in hell right now, the ones that are in the Listen, he is going to gather up every single person that has ever lived in this earth on that day who rejected the love of Christ for them. Rejected the love of God for them. God has demonstrated over and over and over how much He loves them. And then this is the final word. Verse number 14. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. What happens when we ignore the words, God loves you? You will be judged for rejecting the great love of our most holy God. We will be held accountable. Let me just ask you this morning. Has there ever been a time in your life when you said, Okay, Lord, I recognize what you've done for me. And all I want to do is acknowledge it. God, I'm sorry that I'm a sinner. I love you. Would you forgive me of my sins? I, I want to be one of your children. It's, it's not some scientific wonder what you've got to do to be saved. If you believe that Jesus Christ came, that he died on the cross for your sins, and that he rose again so that you might have life and that your sins might be forgiven, and if you will just simply ask him to save you and forgive you of your sins, 
The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You don't have to be some kind of theologian. He just simply asks you to believe how he loved you and demonstrated. Believe that, that he done that for you. And you can have everlasting life. How will you act on how God demonstrated his love to you? Let's stand together.